my wife is going to share with me tonight. So uh, let's make our confession. I am here on purpose. Let's start all over. Do you, what do you do when you lead this confession? Do you say one, two, three, or what do you do? Well, I just start. <laughs> okay. All right, you do it. Here we go. I am here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me, and I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. Amen. You can be seated. Amen. Glory to God. <clears throat> Good to see all of you here. Continue to pray for uh, Pastor Stanley. Glory to God. That man is a man of iron. I just love him. Pastor Stanley had typhoid recently. He's come through that now. He's been strengthened. And now he's uh, just coming through malaria. He's been uh, down for about two weeks with malaria. He's coming through that in fine shape too. So we want to lift him up. Father, we pray for Thank Pastor Stanley. We pray for all the children over there, and we pray that, that, that in the midst of those difficult, difficult situations, they're coming through stronger and stronger and stronger because their faith is in you. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Do we have a video tonight? We don't have. Okay, no problem. Uh, hey, uh, you, have you gone through this and looked at some of it? Yes. Tell me what you think of the message tonight. Tell the people. Well, I think it's truth. You think it's true? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want you up here if you didn't. Glory <laughs> to God. So she thinks that the message is true. This is a very quiet, somber group. <laughs> this is really quiet. I can't even think of a, of a good joke to tell. <laughs> I'll think about one on you. Maybe that will yeah, no, prime the pump. <laughs> Maybe we could tell a story on you for a change. Go ahead. I don't know one right off the top of my head. My head hurts, but Why? I'm healed in Jesus', Jesus name. I was moving something to garage uh, last night. And, and you dropped uh, it on your head. Yeah, I dropped it on my head. It was a, a, a water, uh, you know, those uh, water sprinklers. And it happened so fast, I didn't know what happened. Have you ever had something like that happen? What hit me in the head? And it was just shaking my head. And I looked down, there's a water sprinkler. I said, oh, that's what happened. And I hurt my head. That's why I took an extra long nap today. You're healed. <laughs> Am I healed? Yes. Okay, so what do you think about this message? Well, let me tell you, I kept hearing this over and over for about almost three weeks, and I wasn't sure when we were supposed to share it, but the, the word I heard was uh, concerning uh, uh, God's word was, stop contradicting me. Now, that's all I heard. Stop contradicting me. And I thought, okay, is that a message or, you know, what am I really hearing here? And then the more I heard it, the more it was just continued to come to me, stop contradicting me and then it was like stop contradicting me with exclamation mark and uh, and then it started to settle into my spirit that people continually contradict the word of God and don't even know it and therefore they stop the blessing of God and I felt like the Lord was saying to me and to everybody else is is stop contradicting what God is telling us to do have you ever done that yes do you want to be corrected when you do it sure Oh, yeah. hallelujah. I got the tape. Go ahead. <laughs> By the Lord. Oh. The Holy Spirit. I see. Your name's Bill. I see. It. <laughs> <laughs> I could write that for you in a tab. She told me one time we were at a restaurant <laughs> with, with some people, and, and, and I forget what she said. What did you say? Oh, Lord, don't do that. Yeah. And I said, honey, when we're out in public, don't call me Lord. Just call me, just call me Bill. <laughs> 
Hallelujah. He's a joy. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Uh, That's been a prayer that over the years, all the years that we've been here and preaching that I say before I preach. Uh, When I'm with my sister for breakfast, uh, we'll pray for wisdom. And then we always pray and let the words of our mouth be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. You know, when we ask God to help us, he will. But he'll convict us when, we, when we're not saying the right things. And uh, all those words that we speak do have either life or death attached to them. And so uh, I, I just feel like when I pray that, that then God uh, honors that because he knows that's my heart. And he will help me to say the right thing instead of saying things that will bring death instead of life. And I think it's good to pray the word of God over ourselves. Because when we pray it over ourselves, the Bible says in Ephesians 5, we wash ourselves with the water of the word. It says that's what husbands are to do over their wives. Now, that's not to drown them or anything. That's wash them. Everybody say wash them. And it's with good words, good words of life. And uh, it's, it's really true that the things we believe, we will eventually speak. But if we have the Lord help us and we wash that word over us, I believe he can quicken us to the right words at the right time for the right situation. And uh, sometimes it's better to be silent till you hear the word that God would have us say. That's a good word, honey. Here's kind of an overview of the message tonight. If you look uh, in, in Scripture, Mark uh, 4, 4 and, and Luke uh, 4, 4, uh, it, uh, probably two of the most powerful scriptures in the entire Bible, when Jesus said, when confronted by the devil, man should live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God or the word of God or the will of God is what we should live by. So that's what we should think, that's what we should speak, and that's what we should do. And anytime we don't do that, then we are contradicting what God has said. There are two forces on this earth right now that are both dominant and very good at what they do. It is the force of the kingdom of God that the believers of God are projecting through the power of the Holy Spirit, and it is the force of the devil. God is absolutely unbelievably awesome at what he does, and the devil is very good at what he does in deceiving people. He is an excellent deceiver. He is excellent at getting people to manipulate their thought process. And so if we understand that, then we understand that we have continual warfare in the realm of a spirit to walk by faith and not by sight. Now, Jesus defeated the work of the devil and the powers and principalities he disarmed and gave the victory to us. So the same power and authority and dominion that Jesus walked in, that is what's given to you and I. That is our potential. But if we don't live that potential as Jesus told us to, then the devil will come in and he will take back just like he did from Adam and Eve. Now, the word contradiction, I'll give you a definition here. It means a proposition, a statement, or a phrase that asserts or implies both truth and falsity of something. Let me just give you a quick example. It was a round square hole. Okay, that is a contradiction. It can't be a round square hole. A hole is round or whatever. So now that's just a Webster dictionary. But this is my definition of contradiction. Anything that you say or do contrary to the word of God is a contradiction 
to God and to his word. Now, I understand that many times we don't have revelation in the very beginning, so we do stuff like that. But how many of you realize you have a lot more revelation than you used to have? You have a lot more word than you used to have. Do you need to learn more word? Yes, but basically what most of us need to do is live the word we already know through discipline. And when we do that, then we put ourselves in a position to be in authority over the works of the devil and powers and principalities. That is exactly what God wanted us, wanted his creation on this earth to be through the power of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what we have now, honey. But if we allow ourselves to be uh, looking at the circumstance and the situation and not applying the word of God, then we're not going to have the victory that God wants us to walk in. A lot of people don't walk in the victory that's already theirs. You know, the children of Israel were really a good example. And in uh, Amos, when God said, can two walk together unless they be agreed, uh, he was talking about his own people, the Israelites. And he was saying to them, you are not walking in agreement with me. And if you don't walk in agreement with me, then you're not going to prosper in the things that I've called you to prosper in. And uh, I think it's, a, it's something we have to have a revelation of. It's not just something we can read. It's something that has to get in our heart because if we really believed that when we speak God's word, he hastens to perform that word. And so when we get in agreement with him, he is going to perform his word, whether we can see it right now or believe it right now. Uh, you know, sometimes in counseling people, uh, you know, it's, it's okay to hear what the situation is, but to continue to speak about the situation rather than the solution which is the word of God for any situation, then what happens is not only are, are we discouraging ourselves, but those words are going out and they have power. Everybody say authority. So our authority is in those words that we're speaking. And so when God said, can two walk together unless they be agreed? And surely the Lord does nothing unless he reveals his secrets to his servants, the prophets. Well, in this day and age, we have the ability to hear the Spirit of God. Uh, we, we may not be a prophet. There's not that many people in that office. However, we hear. Everybody say, I hear. And so whatever the Spirit of God is saying to us, then we can take that word and begin to meditate that word and get in agreement with God. And when we get in agreement with him, we possess the things that he's got for us to possess. This is way off the subject of what we're talking about. No, it isn't off the subject. How many of you were here when David was here in the second service? <clears throat> David uh, Wilson, okay, our new friend. Uh, I meet with David Wilson and his parole officer at the jail tomorrow morning at 745. God is doing a miraculous work here. Yeah, let's pray. Father, we thank you for David. I thank you that we speak forth words in agreement with you. And we believe it's your will that David be relocated to California. I thank you for the favor that we're going to have with the parole officer, with all of the authorities, and that there will be a supernatural move of your spirit to make and expedite this in Jesus' name. We believe that. And everybody that agreed said, Amen. we have a high priest of our confession. We'll talk about that in just a moment. And if our confession lines up 
with God's word and God's will, then the, 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 the high priest of our confession, Jesus Christ, and the powers and principalities of, God's, of darkness are bound, and the power of God goes forth, and the power of the Holy Spirit goes forth. But if we're not releasing the right words, then we're releasing the power of the devil in our lives. My nephew is a great example of that. He used to see the power of the devil through drugs in his life continually, and he said, this is exciting. It's an ultimate adrenaline rush. But then he finally gave his life to the Lord, is serving God now, and he sees where that was leading him, that deceptive spirit. All of us have seen things in our life that has tried to pull us the wrong way. And we're going to talk uh, here in just a moment about the first recorded deception, the first recorded time in the Bible when there was a, uh, a contradiction taking place. And it's in Genesis chapter 2 and cha chapter 3, honey. And, and we joke about this a lot sometimes about, you know, who was deceived? Was Eve really deceived or whatever? Eve wasn't deceived because she knew what to do. Adam wasn't deceived because he knew what to do. But both of them absolutely turned their back on God when they allowed the deceptive force to come that they didn't entertain the word of God because they contradicted God. Now, in, in Genesis 2.17, Eve said to the serpent when he came, uh, you, know, no, you, you know, what about this fruit right here? And she said, no, if, if we partake of this fruit, you shall surely die. Or God told her that. Then Eve responded to the serpent, yeah, lest I die uh, if I partake of that fruit. But then in Genesis chapter 3, verse 4, this is the first recorded time when this actually happened in the Bible. You go from Genesis chapter 3, verse 4 on, and you see it a lot. But this is the first contradiction that we find in the Bible. And that's when the devil said to Eve, you surely will not die. God said, if you partake of this fruit, you will die. The serpent came along and started a dialogue with Eve. How many of you have had a dialogue with the devil? And you may not even have known it, but you are entertaining thoughts that are contrary to the will of God, contrary to the word of God. They're rolling around in your mind. You're thinking things that you shouldn't be thinking because the devil's trying to get you to think in con contradiction to the word of God. And then all of a sudden... He gets a hold of Eve because he contradicted the word and because instead of commanding the devil with what? The word of God. She could have commanded the devil with the word of God and said, God said, and you have to get out of here or whatever she felt to say. And Adam could have done the same thing. But instead, they just dialogue with the devil and Adam and Eve dialogue with one another, contrary, con contradicting God himself. And the result of that is still going on in this world today. You know, uh, I was reading today in my Bible reading in 1 Corinthians 10, and it, it says um, that we need to look at the examples. Everybody say examples. Yeah. <laughs> in the, of the children of Israel in the Old Covenant so that we don't repeat history. Yeah. Everybody say repeat history. Yeah. And uh, it says, now these things become our example to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And it goes on, it talks about idolatry, sexual immorality, just things, uh, complaining, murmuring, that, that goes right along in there with those other things. But uh, I was thinking about the children of Israel in Numbers 13 uh, when they said, we are not able. 
That's what the 10 spies said. We are not able because the people are stronger than us. Well, the report that was the, the word of God was, we are well able, which Caleb gave. And do you know, he was rewarded. I read that today uh, when the, in the division of the land. He was given a huge piece of land in the new, uh, when they went over across the Jordan, in that new land, in that land of milk and honey. And it says right there, because he wholly trusted the Lord. In other words, his report, what he said out his mouth was, we are well able because God, everybody say that, because God, because God said so. And so when he gave that report, when he got in agreement with what God said, and the others were contradicting what God said, those never made it out of the wilderness. Everybody say, we need to learn. Because the wilderness is real. I've been in the wilderness. Anybody else ever been? Most of you probably haven't, but I've wandered there a few times. And when we agree with God, we stay out of the wilderness. And we possess what we're supposed to have. When we don't agree with God, when we contradict, we end up in that wilderness. And Adam and Eve ended up out of the garden, out of the presence of God. Theirs was a huge uh, situation for them because they were completely put into a place where the presence of God was no longer with them that they were aware of anymore. Yeah, that's a good word, honey. We, We have, through our confession, power and authority and dominion. Now, if you study the Bible, Genesis 1, 26, 27, 28, God made us in His image so that we would have power, authority, and dominion on this earth. And that, that Adam lost it, but Jesus regained it for us, so we have it now. When I think about that, I, I always have this example in my mind sometimes when I th- think about authority of the believer. When we worked on staff at, at Victory in Tulsa, uh, my job was to be kind of a gopher for Billy Joe. What, I, I was his uh, servant to him. Whatever he wanted, I, I had humbled myself. And I know that sounds like I'm talking about myself, but that's what I saw. My military background helped me. I knew I was there to serve him, whatever he needed. If he needed a glass of water, I was to get him a glass of water. If he, I, he got to the point when I could anticipate what he needs. How, how many of you know what I'm talking about? You could anticipate what the need was. And uh, so this one day, uh, he called me. And, and he said, I don't have time, but I, but I, I need some information from uh, Pastor John Osteen. And he said, I want you to call Pastor John Osteen, and Joel Osteen's uh, father, who's going on to heaven, but he had the church, the Oasis Church, I think it's called, uh, about 10,000 strong, 15,000 strong. Of course, Joel has exploded there now, but, but, but he had a pretty good start, too, <laughs> the 10 or 15,000 member church. But anyway, I called, got a hold of uh, uh, John Osteen's secretary, and I said, this is Bill Mickler. Now, my name has no power and no authority, but Billy Joe's did. And it's just like in the name of Jesus. It's the same. And when I called, I said, this is Bill Mickler, and I'm calling for Pastor Billy Joe Doherty. And in a, she just said, uh, in, uh, just a moment, and I'm calling uh, for Pastor Osteen for Billy Joe Doherty. She said, just one moment, please. Next thing I know, hey, Bill, how are you? And it's John Osteen. I am in awe. I mean, just look at his phone. It's John Osteen. I said, uh, blah, blah. <laughs> you know, right. I, I say, uh, Pastor Osteen. He said, how are you, Bill? I, I've never met the guy. And he said, how is Billy Joe? And it was like we were old lost buddies. The reason was because I had a name, and the name was Billy Joe. 
when I was at the Barclay Bank in Akura, Uganda recently, and you all, most of you know the story, and we needed $15,000, and I told that lady, I mean, it was so strong in my spirit, and I said, I'm on a mission for God. And she just looked at me, came back, and says, yes, we'll do a charge card. And, and, and all of a sudden, it's like, glory to God, this is so good, because it works. Everybody say, it works. Now, let me give you a story in the Bible. It's, it's in, in, I'm going to paraphrase it, but it's in Matthew chapter 16. Jesus is just talking to the disciples, and Peter, uh, impetuous Peter says, I know exactly what you're, I'm paraphrasing all this, I know exactly what you're talking about. You are the Messiah. And, and, the, and he said that, you know, that, that, uh, that God has revealed this to you, Peter. And then we fast forward right out of Matthew chapter 13, uh, uh, six, chapter 16, verses 13 through 19, into Matthew chapter 16, verse 23, uh, verses 21 and 23 through 23. And Jesus is talking to Peter and the other disciples, we think. And he says, now, Peter, I am not going to be with you that much longer. And that my time is coming and my time is short. And, and Peter walks up to Jesus and he says, hey, I need to take you aside and talk to you because you really need a talking to because you don't know what you're talking about. And this is what Peter said to the person that he had already acknowledged as the Son of God. This is what Jesus said. From this time, Jesus began to show the disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders, the chief priests, scribes, be killed, raised up on the third day. Verse 22, then Peter took him aside, the Son of God, who he just acknowledged, aside and began to rebuke Jesus. Do you know you can rebuke Jesus? by contradicting his word continually, began to rebuke Jesus and rebuke the word that Jesus just gave him and said, far be it from you, Lord, this is not going to happen to you. And Jesus said, now listen to this, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Now, some people say, oh, he was talking to the devil. He was talking to the devil in Peter, but he was talking to Peter because this is what it said. He turned and he said to Peter, Peter, you don't know what you're talking about. You are an offense to me, that power and demonic force inside you. Get behind me immediately. He took control of that situation. And that's what we need to do ourselves. We need to have that tenacity when we start to drift. Everybody say drift. Let me see the hands of all the people. Your thought life takes you on a drifting trip sometimes. And you get into places where you shouldn't be and thinking thoughts that you don't think you should be. You know you shouldn't be thinking. Nobody needs to tell you that. Sometimes we need a recorder at the end of the day just to replay what all we said during the course of the day. Because right now, around you and around me, not necessarily in this building right now, but in the world today, there are demonic forces in the heavenlies and there are angelic forces in the heavenlies. You have angels and your angels are ready to spring into action based on your words. But if they're sitting around and there are no words, oh, I'm sick, I feel horrible, I don't want to go to church today and these kids that you gave me, God, I don't even want them and glory to God, I got no money in the bank account. And those demonic forces are in agreement with you saying, amen, sister, keep it up, brother. You know, you know, I'm getting carried away, but you know what I'm talking about. You ever had that happen to you? Yes, I have. have. You know, all of us have opportunity to speak or do the wrong thing uh, on any given day at any given time. 
you know, there's oftentimes, especially uh, when we come off of like this weekend with Easter, and, and we're going like full steam ahead till that service is over. And then, uh, you know, even though we may not feel weary, that's, you know, the enemy likes to attack when we're, you know, in that place where we're weary or we've really pushed hard into something and we've succeeded in that. And then we kind of let down a little bit and then here comes something, you know, out of the blue, it seems. But the enemy knows when to bring it. And if we don't have that word in us and we haven't been uh, aware of what's going on around us, then we can easily contradict what we just shouted all the praise about. I mean, we're singing risen, risen, you know, and all this. And then the next thing we're saying, oh, gosh, why'd that happen, God? You know, well, then we've gone right. We've, we've let go of, of where we were. And I think that can happen to anybody at any time. <clears throat> That's when your husband gets on his white horse and rides in. Yeah. Says, it's okay, oh. honey. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> now, we, we've as got long a great, as his horse is still going. <laughs> we, we've got a great example in the book of Genesis and how God operates. You and I are supposed to operate the way God operates. God spoke the world into existence by his confession. And God speaks things that are not, Romans 4, 17, as if they were. We have a tendency many times to speak what we see, but what we're supposed to speak is things that are not as if they were. Let the rich say, I, uh, let the poor say, I am rich. Let the weak say, I am strong. Let the sick say, I am healed. Let the people, in other words, in other words, what is it that I am believing for is what I'm going to speak, not what I see. And in Genesis, I don't know if we have these scriptures, it really doesn't matter. But Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, verse 6, verse 9, verse 11, verse 14, verse 20, verse 24. And the very existence of God when he spoke forth the world, it says what he said, and God 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 said. And if you read your Bible, you read the end of what God said, and it said, and it was so, and it was so, and it was so, and it was so. So God speak things forth and they become reality. You and I have a high priest, and that's Hebrews chapter 3 and 4. We can read that in just a moment. But we have a high priest who, when our words are activated into the spirit realm, the angelic beings and the power of God goes into play when we speak those things and we shake the kingdom of the devil by our words, our confession. And when we do that, Romans 4, 17, God himself speaks things that are not as if they were. And honey, that takes us all the way back to the very beginning when I said earlier, Genesis 1, 26, 27, 28, God said, I'm creating all of you people. I'm creating this race down here and I'm giving you dominion over all of the creatures of the earth. Now, on the earth, who was here when mankind was created? We know the devil was here, came into the garden in the form of a serpent. But God said in his word, Genesis 1, 26, 27, 28, that man would have dominion over everything on the face of the earth. So our creation originally was to have authority, power, and dominion over everything on the earth, including the devil. Turn to your name and tell them, in, 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 the, beginning, in the beginning, we had authority. 
over the devil. Now, we know that was lost because of Adam and Eve, but we know it was regained through the blood of Jesus. So if you have Jesus in your heart, you are the same as God's original creation. You have power and authority and dominion over the devil. If we use it, he will flee. And honey, that scripture in, in Luke 4, 4 and Matthew 4, 4, uh, especially the one in Luke 4, 4, it goes on to say that Jesus continually rebuked and spoke the word of God to the devil and that the devil eventually left Jesus in Luke 4.18. He left Jesus to return at a more opportune time. This is what I believe that meant. He tried to attack Jesus, but Jesus was strong. Jesus was always strong. He tried to attack him, and he realized it's not going to work. So he left to come back at a more opportune time. I believe that is exactly what he does with us. You said it just a moment ago. He comes to attack and says, whoa, not today, not today. These people are on their game. I'm not attacking today, but tomorrow I'm coming back and I'm sure not tomorrow. They're on their game. But oh, Friday, Friday, they have really let loose. Friday, they are straying out there. Friday, I'm going to get them. How many of you, you uh, uh, like to watch when you see these animals uh, uh, and the lions, I forget what channel it is. I always love to watch it. Pam, Pam runs in the other room. But, uh, but uh, these antelope are out there, and there's one antelope strays away, and the lion's waiting, and then, pam, he gets them and eats them. And if the antelope hadn't strayed away from the herd, the antelope would have been okay. Christians are straying everywhere. I know we're believing for a great revival, and I believe for a great revival. But I also know that Jesus said there's going to be a great falling away. And I'm seeing a great falling away. I'm seeing what Jesus said, a great falling away. How many of you got people that used to know the Lord and they've fallen away? They're out there like that antelope and they're going to get their lunch eaten by them if they don't get back into the herd. That's where we are, I believe, in the world today, honey. A lot of deceptive spirits in the world, uh, whispering to people things that are diverting them. Everybody yep. say diverting. Yep. One thing I would uh, encourage everybody, when, when God is doing something in the background that you cannot see, but it's something that he's told you in your heart that he's going to do, you have to keep running with him because running parallel to you is the enemy. And he'll bring things to divert your attention to look away from what God is telling you to run after. And once God starts you running after something, you cannot turn the other way. You, you cannot look away because if you do, it will change your path. It, it'll move you off course. And, and I have found that some of the times when we're about to experience the greatest victories is when it's like a barrage of things start coming at us to get us to look at it. Yeah. And in the last probably four weeks, I have heard two things run on silent, which is like a, uh, a submarine when the enemy is up above mm. and the submarine has to go down. And if you've ever watched war movies, it goes way down to the bottom of the sea. And even something barely dropping makes a huge sound and makes sound waves in the water. And it says we have to run on silent. They shut the engines. They shut everything off. And the other one is stay in your lane. Everybody say stay in your lane. And don't get off trying to fix somebody else's situation 
that you normally would try to do. You know, I mean, the enemy isn't going to put something over there that you wouldn't be tempted to look at. But what's happening is God is moving at a rapid pace. It's right when you fire up to make the last surge of where where you're going. And here comes this thing trying to come alongside to divert you. And you can tell it's out there because it's, you know, there's things that are being said or done. But you cannot go there. Everybody say, don't go there. Because that is when God's greatest, he needs your effort the greatest in faith to be saying what God's saying and keep going after that thing that God's got you going after. And I believe that in these last days, we're going to see a great falling away at the same time we see a great revival. The falling away is going to be falling away means those who knew. The falling away doesn't mean those who never knew. They're already away. Do you get that? So the great falling away is going to be deception to the people of God, which has already started uh, in churches where lifestyles are accepted, even in the pulpit. Things have really shifted in those areas. So that's falling away. Everybody say falling away. It's falling away from not doctrine. It's falling away from the truth of the word. So that's going to happen. But at the same time, all of those who didn't know, who are desperate, they're going to be coming in. So revival is going to happen at the same time as the falling away. I believe this because a long time ago when I wrote Resurrection River, I saw fire coming through water and it was like everything that's not in the water, not in the water will be burned up everywhere. It'll just be gone, just be gone. And the falling away, those people will just fall away. Uh, They're going to fall away and you cannot go that direction when you're trying to take care of revival. Does that make sense? You have to trust God to take care of that and keep your focus on what's coming because what's coming is a, just a huge revival of unsafe people. And they're not going to be uh, churched. They're not going to have knowledge because they haven't fallen away. They've been away. Does that make sense? I really have been feeling this in my spirit. And I, when I see things, you know, and I hear from my friends that have churches, you know, all over, even around the world, and they're seeing the same thing. But at the same time, they're seeing all these unsaved people starting to filter into their churches. And so when they have the greatest need to disciple the people, the people who could disciple them went falling away. Yeah. But God can still do it. Everybody say, God will still do it. God will still do it. He will raise up people to do that. Yeah, that's a good word, honey. You wrote a, a song years ago about a submarine um, going into a harbor. Um, Going behind enemy lines. Going behind enemy lines. Can you sing it? No. Okay. It's, I, I have. I love it. We're I going, know you. We're have going it. behind enemy lines. Going to take back what is mine. I'm going behind enemy lines. That's Satan coming. stole. Da, da. Do I have it right? Going behind enemy, enemy lines. lines. Going to take back what is rightfully mine. Going, going behind. behind. Enemy lines. Satan. He's given me his power and authority. I'm going behind enemy lines. Yeah. That's, you have to sing that sometimes. Sure. You want to sing it Sunday? No. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'll just whip that out back here. <laughs> now, <coughs> Hebrews. Along with a whole bunch hey, of you others. Know, you know what? <laughs> You, she got some beautiful songs, and I said to one time, we need to sing some of those. I know. And you said they're old. Nothing is old with God. 
if you apply old and you say, this thing is really old. This is 2,000 <laughs> years old. Why are we reading it again? Because, because it's the power of God and it gets and sets us free and keeps us free. This is older than your songs. And, and, and so what it says right here in Hebrews chapter 3, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Jesus Christ, over in Hebrews 4, seeing that we have a great high priest, let us hold fast our confession. And that when we get to that point, we start to see things differently. It's like, what is the answer? Uh, This is not a downer, what I'm about to say, but I feel for a lot of the pastors and a lot of people that I know in leadership who are really watering down the gospel for a big crowd. I would prefer to have a big crowd. <laughs> I really would. You know, if I had a chance to have a church of 10,000 or a church of 1,000, I would take the 10,000. But by the same token, <clears throat> I'm, not, I'm not saying that because the person has a big church, they're wrong. I don't mean that at all. Joel Osteen, I think, is a man of God. I, I love Joel Osteen. Never met him, but knew his dad. I mean, yeah, I knew his dad because I called him once for a village <laughs> We were buddies. And <laughs> that sounds pretty funny. But, but, but when it comes to, uh, you know, the, the message, you know, there are a lot of people out there that are, that are really going down the wrong track. And they need to be told that that abortion is sin. And, and it's going to be held against you. Unless you, now if you've already had it, then you have to repent of it and you're okay. That divorce is sin. If you already had it, that's fine. But if you think it was okay and you're not going to repent of it, you got a problem because you have really come against the things of God. And the same thing with, uh, with marriage and uh, those things, we don't have to go into them per se. I've already shared them from the pulpit. Had one family about a year and a half ago, almost two years ago, maybe longer than that, they left the church because I said homosexuality and lesbianism is sin and that we love those people, I want them to come into our church and hear the Word of God so they can get set free from that. That, that is anybody that thinks that that, that that is not a sin is misappropriating the Word of God. Does that make sense to you? You know, but what about those people? We don't want them to feel bad about themselves. Now, I'm going to get off on a tangent so you can grab me anytime you want, okay? I am old school. Bill O'Reilly has a book out, uh, and it's all about old school people. I am totally old school. I am totally for discipline. I'm totally for self-control. I'm totally for just making sure that you understand that if you go this way, there's going to be a repercussion of punishment and some discipline involved. All of the rest of the new snowflakes that they are called in the book that I just read are like, we're going to tip through, tiptoe through the tulips, and we're not going to make anybody feel bad about themselves. We're not going to give them any grades because then they might fail, and we're not going to keep scoring any ball games because then they think they're not a good enough ball player. Maybe we just should never want anybody ever to feel bad about themselves. What is wrong with feeling bad about yourself so that God can rebuild you. What is wrong with coming face to face? I felt horrible when I came to the face to face revelation that I sinned when I divorced. And the things in my life that I was doing back then and the conviction of the Holy Spirit, when I finally felt horrible about myself, God was there to build me. 
And, there, and I'm not saying we have to make people feel horrible about themselves, but you can never suppress the truth of the Word of God so that somebody else in their sin will feel good about themselves. Does that, does, am I making any sense? Or am I getting off on tangent here? You, you t- you'll tell me later on, I know. Go ahead. No, I, I believe that's true. And I, I believe that we're going to come to a situation in churches where uh, there will be a dividing line yeah. between the truth and, and just letting people. I believe it's letting people slide into hell without warning them. Yeah. According to the word of God is wrong. And we, the person who does that then becomes responsible for their error. It doesn't mean we have to say you can never be set free. It's to say that direction, according to the word of God, says that if you continue in that lifestyle and you don't repent, you have an opportunity to miss heaven. So, you know, and, and most often anymore, there's believers who believe it's okay. And so, you know, you're trying to deal with people that have convinced themselves that error is truth. I don't believe we can always convince people, but I do believe we can pray them out of that place. Ezekiel 33, that, uh, that, uh, that we are the watchmen. And that what it's time speak. to pray for those people, Yeah. number one. And, but when we have an opportunity not to sh- shrink back and, and, and let them believe that we think they're, they're, that they're okay, because that's not okay. And death, the wages of sin are death. And I don't want anybody to die, and you don't want anybody to die. And that's worse than making somebody feel bad. That's, that's a good word, honey. Now, let me give you, as we close, that, uh, close down here, let me give you some, some things that would be foundations, foundation to avoid contradictions in your life. In other words, you're not going to look at what's not going right. You're going to look at what the Word of God says. Number one, Mark eleven twenty two says, have faith in God. Everybody say that. Have faith in God. One more time. Have faith in God. No matter what happens, what are we going to do? Have faith in God. We're going to have faith in God. No matter what happens, no matter how the kids act, no matter what our finances are, no matter what our family thinks about us or in-laws, outlaws or whatever, we have faith in God. Let's say, I have faith in God. I have faith in God. Turn to your neighbor to, I have faith in God. I have faith in God. Second thing, honey, first scripture I ever learned, what one is it? Philippians 4.13. What do you think of that scripture? I like that scripture. Yeah, what is it? My God shall supply all my needs. Is that the one or 4.19? I can do all things through Christ. Oh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, yes. We got both of them here. What does that mean to you? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, as long as I'm depending on his strength and not my ability, I can do anything God tells me. See, when you release that, say, God, I know that you're here, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It doesn't matter what I face. He's going to be right with me in the situation. Let's all say, I can. I can. Like I mean it, I can. I can. Do all things things. through Christ Christ who strengthens me. The more you say that, the more you can feel your inner man just getting stronger and stronger and stronger. I believe that. There was a time in my life when I was a new believer, I don't know if I believed it, because I thought God was mad at me for all the things I did wrong. But when you start to get a revelation of that scripture, and then the third one is what you said. My God shall supply all my needs. My God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. What does that mean to you? Because we've been through some things in our life where if we kept our eyes open and looked at them, whoa, there's no way here 
but we close our eyes and we believe the word of God, we come through. Yeah, it just means that as long as I look to God to supply my needs instead of what I see, that God will come through in the situation on time. Everybody say on time. Because we've been in situations before where it looked like it wasn't on time. But on God's timetable, it was on time. And that's when faith really comes in, when your time and God's time aren't quite the same time. (laughs) We're living in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'm $30,000 in debt, maybe a little bit less by then, but I don't think so. $30,000 in debt to the IRS, going to Bible school, trying to be a minister of the gospel, speaking scripture that I didn't even know if I believed because I was learning. I was a new believer. But one day, we didn't have any gas for our car. And... uh, Pam, I've told this story before, but Pam was going to go to a, a, a tennis thing with the varsity of the Victory Christian School where we were, and, and I didn't know if I could make it there or back. And I prayed, God, I don't know what to do. And I got in the car, drove over there, parked in the parking lot. A guy got out of his car, came over to me and said, God spoke to me, give you a $20 bill, uh, Bill, today. You, you need that, yeah. And, and give me this $20 bill. This is what I remember thinking, because I still was a new believer. I didn't really understand all that. God... Did you misunderstand me? I needed $30,000, not a $20 bill. Now, I realized that that was God proving himself to me and testing me. Will I follow him with the $20 bill and the $30,000 in debt, or am I going to wait till I get out of debt to follow him? If I had waited till I get out of debt, I probably never would have gotten out of debt. But God supernaturally brought us out of all the debt, all the stuff that happened in the world, because I finally had that revelation. My God will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. If I stay up worrying about it at night, I am misappropriating the word of God. I am coming against the word of God, and it's not going to work for me. And then the fourth one, honey, is uh, it, it, I, I meditate this a lot. We're up against a situation. How many of you ever just thought, oh, no, not that again? Or, oh, not, not again. Or, not, oh, okay, what happened right here? It's Romans 8, 28. I, I mean, I just love that scripture. All things. If we really believe that, we'd never get down. No, and that's, that's the one that Pastor Bill always comes up with when things look the bleakest. <laughs> he always says, honey, everything's going to be all right, because I love that. Honey, everything's going to be all right really. Uh, <laughs> that's my thought, but I don't say it. And they, because all things work together for good for those who love God. Do we love God? Yes, we love God. Are we called according to his purpose? Yes, we are. Yeah. I don't want to be today, but I am anyway. Okay, we're called. <laughs> yeah. Then all things work together for good. Everybody say all things work together for good. It's, you know, <laughs> it's like Paul over that fire when he shipwrecked. Where, Pat, where did, no, where did he get shipwrecked? When he was coming over to where did he get shipwrecked? He got shipwrecked somewhere. Yeah. Well, I don't remember the other. Anyway, he, so Paul's building a fire, and all of a sudden a serpent comes up and bites him, and he throws it off there. And I'm, I'm sure he wasn't thinking, I really was hoping I'd get that. You know, that you probably really wasn't hoping that, but he just threw it off in the fire and went on because he was on a mission. Everybody say, I'm on a mission. Okay, let's use my imita- imitation from Arur, Barclay Bank. I'm on a mission for God. I'm on a mission for God. Tell that person next to you, I'm on a mission for God. I'm on a And God will pay for his mission. God will take care of every single need we have. So as we wind this all down, honey, sum it all up yourself. How does it affect you? Because sometimes the more transparent we are with people, the more I think people relate to us. And I like to make you transparent. (laughs) (laughs) That's an amen. Everybody say amen, amen, yeah. 
Well, I was just thinking, you know, when, when my husband uh, felt to go to Bible school, uh, you know, and it was a step of faith. Everybody, everybody say a step of faith. And I, I worked in the office, and my children were in, in Christian school. He was in Bible school, and I was the only one really working. And, and you know, we got all this debt that's coming at us. Uh, and, and you begin to think, is this really God? Uh, because uh, I'm thinking, well, I was the one who wanted to go to Bible school. And all of them are learning, and I'm over here working so they can all learn. And... And nothing's going right. You know, the kids are doing stuff they shouldn't do. Believe it or not, our kids were doing crazy things. Pastor Bill, he's going to school, and every day he's saying, I shouldn't be here because we don't have enough money. I'm thinking that's true. That's true, but God told us to do this. You know, when you do things for God in those hardest places is where God's really watching. Are you going to believe all things do work together for good? For those who are called of God, who love God first, and loving God is not always having everything be the way we want it to be. And then loving God is saying, I am committed to this, and I'm staying in this, but I have to say what God says about this, and we would have to remind each other all the time, this is what God told us to do. And the one time when my husband didn't, and we went to work at McDonald's, I say we because I drove there all the time. Uh, you know, when we did that, that was not a good place. Everybody say, not a good place. from the frying pan to hell. (laughs) Worse than the fire. And, you know, so in that time, we learned and we got back on, but it did not change one thing. We still had our kids doing stuff, you know, uh, getting caught always because we prayed they'd get caught. But then when they get caught, you got to deal with getting caught. Sometimes it was like, eh, don't let them get caught. <laughs> but you know they have to. And so you're, you're constantly doing everything that you're supposed to be doing. But the devil is working on all sides. And that's why I said earlier, uh, th- you're going to be tempted every day to contradict God when you're on a mission for God. Because whatever that mission is, the enemy doesn't want that mission to be accomplished. Right. And so you just have to keep focused and keep looking straight ahead and go after that thing with the truth of the word going before you. The song I've been thinking of lately is, Though None Go With Me, Yet I Will Follow. I sang that today to myself. I was singing that song. Yes, I believe that we're in that day. Though none go with us, yet I will follow. Though none go with us, yet I will follow. I have decided To to follow Jesus. And that's what it takes to get to that place that God's about to bring every one of you into. Because if he's going to prosper this church, he's going to prosper the people in it. And that's going to bring the prosperity of the church because the church is the people. So we all need to be believing. We are about to possess that which God has for us. Amen. And you need to begin to say that over your family and over your children and over those things because that possession is going to bring the church into possession for what God has. Praise God. I I was just in that song today. Let's all stand. I'm going to let you pray for the people. Let me see the hands of all the people. You know Jesus is your Lord and Savior because I don't think we have any visitors here. I think you're all homegrown. Uh, Oh, you're going to the piano, honey? Yeah. Okay. I I want to leave you with this. 
listen to what you are thinking and meditating. Listen to what you're thinking and meditating because it will soon be your confession. You'll begin to speak out of what you're thinking and meditating. I, I don't think I'll ever make it. I don't think we're ever going to get out of this. You'll begin to say, you'll start to think at first. You have to think before you talk. But you start thinking things. I think it would be great if we would start to listen to what we think. Because it will be your confession. And that confession, your high priest, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the power of the Holy Spirit, the ministering angels will go to work on your behalf to bring forth God's will in your life. But if you are thinking what Zig Ziglar used to say, most people need a, a checkup from their neck up to get rid of stinking thinking. But if you're thinking things that are contradiction to God, they are not contradictions to the devil. And he has the legal right to roam this earth and do whatever he wants to do when he is allowed to do it. That's exactly what happened in the Garden of Eden. That's why many people in the body of Christ who have let their armor down of their confession, of their words, of coming into agreement with God, have allowed the devil into their thought life. The battleground is not the Garden of Eden any longer. The battleground is your mind. And you know what I'm talking about. And the more you're facing situations and circumstances that you don't know how to get through, God knows how to get you through. And that if you'll say that, I know I can get through this, my God will bring me through it, then you can get control of your mind to give it to God. But if you start allowing your mind to think at random, you'll start to think things that are negative, And before long, you'll start to confess things contrary to to the Word of God. Would you bow your heads with me just for a moment? Father, I pray for every person here tonight. Pam, if you have something to pray, just speak it out. I pray for every person here tonight. Lord, that we would have a desire to live your Word, to speak your Word, to meditate your Word. You told Joshua, Joshua, if you will meditate my Word day and night, you will prosper and have good success. Lord, I thank you that has never changed. That is still true today for every one of us, just as it was true for Joshua. And so as we pray, as we make this confession, I pray, Lord, that the power of your Holy Spirit will come through each and every one of us in every situation and circumstance that we will face from now all the way through to eternity. We thank you for that. I want you to repeat this if this is your prayer. Think about what I say, and then if, if it is, say, Lord, forgive me for times in my life when I have not spoken your word, when I have contradicted you. I make a decision tonight. I will no longer contradict you. I won't contradict your word or your will. I have power, authority, and dominion. I have the victory. Therefore, I am steadfast, immovable, always abounding in my work for you. I walk by faith and not by sight. 
I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I know you will supply all of my needs according to your riches and glory. I know all things work for good because I love you and I am called according to your purpose. Therefore, no fear, no worry, no anxiety, no troubled mind, only a renewed mind, knowing your perfect will. Do you believe that? Give the Lord a hand. Go and be blessed.